Hello and welcome to the VIP Fitness Podcast. My name is Victoria and my aim is to help you understand the mechanics of fat loss and maintenance and then to help you implement this understanding with your own fat loss and maintenance journey. I'll provide you with information, hints, tips, tricks and hacks that you can pick and choose from to use in your day-to-day life. If you want more information or you'd like to speak to me about coaching, you can find me on Instagram at VIP Fitness Coaching. Thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. If you do enjoy what you've heard, I'd appreciate it if you could share, follow, review, rate, all of that good stuff that podcasts ask you to do. Thank you for your time. Welcome back to episode three of the VIP Fitness Podcast. And today we're going to be covering why diets fail. So hopefully I am going to cover the vast majority of the diets I covered in the previous episode, why diets work, and I'm going to break down the various reasons as to why most of these diets fail and the different ways in which they fail. There's a couple of ways that diets can fail. Diets can fail immediately while you are doing them for various reasons. Most of the time they're failing because you believe yourself to be in a calorie deficit. If you were to input the foods that you're eating over the course of a day or over a week into a calorie tracker, you might find that actually the foods you're eating are taking you either to your maintenance calories, meaning that you're not going to lose any weight, or potentially over your maintenance calories, meaning that you're in a surplus and you're potentially going to be gaining weight or gaining fat. So a couple of these diets include intermittent fasting and your Weight Watchers Slimming World point clubs. So intermittent fasting, if you are only eating for a six hour, a seven hour, an eight hour window every day, theoretically, because you're only eating for a limited amount of time, you should only be able to eat a certain amount of calories. Now, the problem with that is that your food choices are absolutely key here. It can be very easy to fill those limited hours with highly calorific and very low volume foods. So if you are doing intermittent fasting properly, and I use that word very loosely, you would be eating foods that are high in volume, high in protein, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits, lots of you know, slow releasing carbs, wholemeal grains, all of those kind of things, freshly made food, non-processed or very low processed foods. And you're filling your six, seven, eight hours with those kind of foods. Now, if those are the kind of foods that you're eating, it is harder to go over your calories because you have to eat a heck load of broccoli to be able to go into a calorie surplus. Now, the problem comes when you are not filling those hours with highly voluminous foods. If you're eating a lot of chocolate bars, ice cream, heavily processed like wheat products like donuts and pastries, sausage rolls, quiches, crisps, you know the kind of foods I'm talking about, the kind of foods that are very high in fat, very high in calories, very high in sugar, but to look at them, they don't take up a lot of space on the plate. And again, I've mentioned this before, if you're an average sized man, it's a lot harder for you to go into a calorie surplus doing this. But if you're a smaller woman and you only need 1800 calories to be in a deficit or around your maintenance, eating these highly calorific, low volume foods 
you can very easily hit 1800 in a six, seven, eight hour time period. Intermittent fasting can fail straight off the bat if you are eating high calories, low volume, and you're not taking account of what you're eating. So you will immediately see on the scales week after week weight gain. Slimming World, Weight Watchers and these point clubs, they fail for a very similar reason. You have certain foods that are considered to be free. Now you can eat as many of these foods as you want and that's fine, they don't count. However, some of the foods that these plans use are things such as pasta and potatoes and rice and things like that, which do have calories in them. You know, potatoes are not a zero calorie food, nor is pasta. So when you're eating as much of these as you, you know, want in a meal, you could quite easily be going over your calorie allowance for the day without realising it. So if you're, say, for example, having a big plate of pasta with some sauce on it, and you've, you know, weighed out your sauce, and you've included your ingredients, and you've totted up your sins or your points or whatever, and you've got a massive portion of pasta, massive portion of pasta along with that, you're potentially going to be eating an 800, 900, 1000 calorie meal and yet your point system will be telling you that you've only got two points in that. These kind of diets will fail straight away because you're not taking into consideration the calorie amount in the food that you're eating. Another way that diets will tend to fail in the short term is when you're on very restrictive calorie diets. So these are your diets, like I mentioned previously, like your shakes, that horrific uh, flush diet with the maple syrup and all of that, fasting ones where you're not eating anything for two or three days and then you are eating on other days. These kind of diets tend to fail because you can be on plan and following this diet to the letter for three or four days. But because you've done a very, very harsh calorie deficit over those few days, your body instinctually wants you to eat again. And your body starts to panic and sends you massive hunger signals. Your hunger hormone ramps up massively. And by day four, five, six, you're absolutely clamouring for food and you can completely blow out your calorie deficit that you've put in place over the first few days by overeating massively in the follow-up days. And then you feel bad about that. You've had a bad weekend. You feel like you've completely ruined the diet. So you try again on Monday. And so you have another three or four days very, very low and you blow it out the water again at the weekend. And this cycle just repeats week after week after week of being on incredibly low calories for half the week, blowing the diet for the second half of the week. And then when you average it out, your calories are really at maintenance, potentially in a bit of surplus. And that's why the diet is failing, because ultimately you're not in a calorie deficit. And cycling through this for a few weeks, for a few months, eventually you get really sick of this cycle and you quit the diet completely. And you're no longer adhering to any part of that diet whatsoever. Another way that diets can fail is your diets such as your Atkins and your keto where you're on very low carbs. Again, this is another one where you stay on plan quite well and you can stick to these very restrictive rules when it comes to what you can and can't eat. You're eating very, very low amounts of carbohydrates. However, if you're supplementing those carbohydrates with fats and proteins, 
it can be very easy to pull yourself out of a calorie deficit, especially when you're replacing things with fats. So I can't even remember which diet it was now. It might have been keto, where they were recommending you to start the day with a black coffee with a large quantity of either butter or coconut oil in that coffee. Coconut oil contains 120 calories per tablespoon. Now, this is not a large amount. A tablespoon is about 15 to 20 mil. It's not a huge quantity. So one tablespoon of coconut oil has 120 calories in it. If you're having a couple of tablespoons in your coffee or you're having two or three of these coffees of a morning with coconut oil in it, that's 240, 360 calories just on oil in coffee. This is the same with butter. Butter contains roughly 110 calories per tablespoon. And again, if you're putting two tablespoons of butter in your coffee every morning, or you're having two or three of these coffees, those calories are going to add up really, really quickly. The same with your protein portions. If you're on a ketogenic or low-carb diet and you're having a massive piece of steak or pork ribs or pork chop or some kind of meat that's got fat on it or fat in it, if you're having these massive portions of meat with your dinners, with your lunches, they're going to contain a lot of calories. And so potentially, even though you are low-carb, you're potentially eating a lot of calories on a daily basis. The reverse of this can also be true for low-fat diets, whereby if you're trying to avoid high quantities of fats in food, but you're not tracking your calories and you're eating a lot of low-fat snacks, these can still be quite calorie-dense sometimes because they're packed with sugars or syrups. And if you're eating a lot of like small, low-fat treats or bars or snack items and they come in at say, I don't know, a lot of them say that they're 90 calories a bar or 100 calories a bar. If you're sitting down and you've eaten one and you've not felt particularly satiated and before you know it, you've sat down and you've eaten the full box of five or six low fat snacks, that's still five or 600 odd calories in a snacky sitting and it's low volume, you don't feel satiated. So you can eat that and then very easily go home and eat your tea later. So again, the calories do start to build up if you're not tracking them. So that covers a lot of your crash diets and diets where there's very strict rules in place and why they fall down in the short term, because either they're not taking into account a calorie deficit or the rules have made it so that it's very easy for you to go into a surplus without even realising it, or the ability to adhere to that diet is absolutely impossible, even in the very short term. Now, moving on to your more sensible diet plans. So these could be like meal plans that you get from a personal trainer. This is talking about diet plans and ways of eating that you may have seen on social media or in newspapers. They can be eight week plans, 12 week plans, and they're very sensible. They give you a sensible calorie deficit. They give you lots of meal ideas with lots of vegetables, lots of good protein sources, the advice about eating regularly throughout the day is very good. All of these plans are, in principle, very sensible. They give you good nutritional spectrums and they're quite easy to follow, some of them. They don't involve a lot of unnecessary ingredients or cooking or prep. The problem with them is, is that they are meal plans and they don't take into account individuals. They don't take into account your daily schedule. 
They don't take into account your family life, who you live with, who else you're eating with and who you're feeding. They don't take into account your food environment. For example, what supermarkets do you have nearby, if any? Do you live in an area where the only places you can get food is small shops and you don't have a big supermarket nearby? Do you live somewhere where you do have a big supermarket, but the range of items you can buy is not very good? Do you live in a household where somebody cooks your food for you every night and you don't have control over what you're cooking? Do you have really long work hours so that you don't have time to do a lot of food prep? You have to eat out a lot and buy a lot of food, you know, on the go from the uh, sandwich meal deal sections in supermarkets and whatnot. That's the problem with these meal plans. So you start the meal plan and you have the best of intentions and you manage to get all the ingredients in and you carve some time out of your schedule to make your food and you take control of the cooking. You start eating separately to other people in your household. You start eating foods that you don't actually particularly like and you wouldn't choose them. You make all of these changes and you stick to the plan and you follow the plan through for the eight weeks or 12 weeks And you lose the fat that you want to lose and you get to the end of the 12 weeks and you feel really good and you've achieved your goal and that's great. However, what next? Because ultimately, all of that effort that you've put in and all of that hard work that you've done and you've got your results from it, but long term, it's not a sustainable way for you to live. You've found it hard trying to find that time. You've found those ingredients not particularly enjoyable. It's affected your ability to eat with your friends and your family. You've potentially had to say no to nights out and meet up with people because you know that there's nothing there for you that fits in with your plan. So what is the solution to this? Because you come off your plan and then six months down the line or a year down the line, all of that fat that you've lost, because you've gone back to your original way of eating, you're eating with your family again, you're back to eating the food you were eating before, all of those habits have gone back to what they were. And because the habits and the behaviour have gone back, the weight has also gone back. What's the solution to this? You don't want to be on these meal plans for the rest of your life, but you do want to change your body composition and you do want to lose a bit of fat. So how are you supposed to do that? if the short-term diets fail ultimately, if the good diets and the good plans long-term fail ultimately, what are you supposed to do? This is where coaching can come in because coaching is different from meal plans. If you want a meal plan and a workout program, you don't even have to pay people online to do this for you. A lot of these programs that you get online are very generic and it's a one-size-fits-all And it may seem as if you're getting a personalised plan, but a lot of the time your information is being put into a calculator and you're getting sent a generic plan with some slight tweaks and variations in terms of calories and protein or whatever. But ultimately, you're doing the same thing that hundreds and thousands of other people are doing at exactly the same time. So having a one to one coach means that your existing diet and your existing schedule is taken into account. And it's about taking your current behaviours and your current habits and slightly tweaking them, slightly adjusting them, finding you some maybe better options that still fit in with what you want to do and implementing them a little at a time until you're in a place where your diet, your lifestyle, it fits in with you, with your family 
but also it helps you get to your goals. Adherence. Adherence is where all of these diets tend to go wrong. Either you cannot adhere to the diet in the short term, so it fails, or you cannot adhere to the diet and the workout plan in the long term. And again, ultimately, after six months, after a year, it tends to fail because you've gone back to what you were doing before. This one has been incredibly waffly. I don't know why. I've not been able to get my words together on it. So I apologise for any repetitions I've made. If you do want to talk to me about coaching, I am available on Instagram at VIP Fitness Coaching. And next episode on Friday, I'm going to be covering KFC. I've had a request for KFC. So what to eat at KFC if you're wanting to stay on plan. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your time and attention today. I hope that some of what I've said today has been helpful. If you want any more information on anything I've covered, or if you'd like to speak to me about nutrition and fitness coaching, you can find me on Instagram at VIP Fitness Coaching. Please feel free to drop me a message. I'd be happy to respond to anything you want to talk about. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.